0: Welcome to Friday Friends Day, a podcast by The Mama Marketer. I am your host, Olivia Hayes, and today this is the first podcast I've recorded in a while since moving um, my podcast and my website all over to Squarespace. So um, I took a little breather after that big project um, and yeah, now, now I'm back at the recording game. So I appreciate you tuning in today. I don't have a guest or interview or anything lined up today. I'm just going to talk with you about some things happening, um, in the scene with local politics, state politics, and then just some things on the national scale that I happen to be following along with. So, um, let's go ahead and dive in and, um, you can let me know your thoughts on any of this. This is all just my opinion. I'm not a legal or political expert by any means. So, um, I'm always open to hearing what you have to say. So you can always hit me up on Instagram at the mama marketer, or even just email me or send a message through my website, mamamarketer.com okay so first I want to talk about local politics so as some of you know I serve on the citizens advisory board for the uh, district 5 of Sedgwick County so I live I have a Derby address but I actually live on the outskirts of Derby so county politics is kind of my local uh, politics that I like to uh, follow along with so I'm serving on a citizens advisory board where it's basically our job to advise our, our uh, county council person on things that are important to us, right? So um, a little bit of background, we had this situation come up where I guess it was happening on property lines where there was a property owner that was living kind of out in the country, uh, not in city limits from what I understand, and he was... Discharging his firearm at a backstop or a berm, but apparently that was not working, and there was some debris going into the backs of houses into this newly built neighborhood. And uh, I guess the property owners that were experiencing the property damage came to the county commissioners to ask for something to be done. And my county commissioner proposed this resolution that would basically make it illegal for you to fire across property lines um, to the tune of a, a fine of $500. And so we were kind of asked to review this resolution and, and see what we thought. and. Um, I gotta tell you guys that I actually was not a fan of the resolution. Not that I don't care for safety or anything like that, but where, where I was coming from was it seemed like this was an issue between two property owners that were that were having the issue or maybe a, a group of property owners. And our county is a very big county, and there's a lot of rural parts to our county, and most of the people that I live around, at least in the country, are, are responsible farmers and, and gun owners. And so it felt a little bit like we were putting an unnecessary rule on a lot of people when it was really maybe just a couple of bad actors, right? So those are my initial thoughts going into it. And as I started reading more about the bill and researching it, I realized, uh, and I think the bill did mention it, but um, come to find out there's already a state law against firing into dwellings. And so to me, I was thinking if this property owner is already willing to break a state law, what is a county law going to do? This is probably just someone that's going to break the rules anyway. So again, it seemed like a, a big broad stroke punishment for maybe just one or two bad actors. Um, and then the other thing That Another issue that I had with this was I guess the property owners had reached out to the city PD. They couldn't do anything because it was county jurisdiction. And I guess the county sheriff had said that he couldn't do anything either. Um, He has since said that he is going to investigate and everything. But um, I just, I don't know. It seems odd that the property owner's next step was then to come to the county commissioner. Um, In my mind, what I would do if I was having a dispute with you know a neighbor and law enforcement was not helping and assuming that i already had tried to discuss it with them face to face if we still could not come to a conclusion then i feel like my next step would be to pursue legal action i would get a lawyer and i would figure out you know is there property damages is there threats being made what can i do about feeling unsafe in my home i feel like those are the avenues i would have taken versus trying to make a a new law (laughs) trying to pass a law at the county level so we had a a kind of a um, open house or what would you call it we had a town hall at our citizens advisory board we called a special where we were meeting to discuss it but we also invited the public to come in and talk about it and um, i will say that i was definitely one of the only few in the minority that was not in support of this law Um, some other issues with it was that it kind of leaves Uh, It opened to interpretation for, let's say, the next law. We could be looking at different types of uh, rules around like berms and backstops and what kind of bullets and all that type of thing. And so there's one other guy there that kind of said this is kind of setting a scary precedent for the next lawmaker to come and put even more restrictions on us, which I I definitely agreed with him. So um, when it came down to it, our board voted eight to one in favor of this resolution and the resolution has since then passed at the county level Um, i was the one nay vote for it. Um, and I just kind of wanted to explain kind of where I was coming from on that. One of the most interesting things to me about this is that every guy in that room that was voting for this resolution needed to say that they were pro NRA and card carrying members and, and all this stuff. And, and it just, it seems odd to me that that, if that's true, if you truly do believe in the second amendment, that you would go, that you would vote for this. It just seems so odd. I am not a card-carrying lifetime NRA member, that's, that's not something I prioritize, but yet I believe in freedoms and putting accountability on the people and not putting more, uh, you know, more restrictions and more government in our lives. And yet I was the only one, you know, that, that was brave enough to vote no to this. So I don't know. It seemed, it seemed a little weird. It seemed a little bit like some people needed to reconcile their, their beliefs with what they were willing to say out loud right? If you really believe in two-way freedom, then to me, it's not complicated. You believe in not putting more laws around gun owners. Just an end of the story, you know, period. So um, I don't know. I'd love to know what people locally think as it stands now. I'm not allowed to. We used, we have a shotgun and we have BB guns and we would have people come out to the property with handguns and practice shooting in the backyard. Um, we're on 20 acres and we back up to an empty cotton field. So, you know, as long as there was no high crops, as long as there was not a tractor back there, we, we would shoot recreationally. And now as it stands, uh, I have to get permission from this field that <laughs> we know who owns it. Obviously, it's a, it's a trust that owns it. It's not one family. But now we have to get permission just just to shoot back there. And it just, it's a huge overreach in my opinion, um, especially because we're responsible um, gun owners and now we have to go through extra hoops that we did nothing to deserve this, this kind of punishment. Um, and my husband also pointed out part of the wording of the resolution that they wanted to pass said that uh, law enforcement officers, if they are working, if they're in the line of duty, this does not apply to them. So they can shoot across my property lines without giving me a heads up, without asking for permission. And I don't know, that just, obviously we want the cops to catch the bad guys (laughs) if need be, but just the fact that there's already a law enforcement exception into this, it just doesn't make me make me feel good. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like the right thing to do, but I'm definitely, like I said, in the, in the minority and it has already passed. So it's something I have to follow now. But if you're, if you're local to Sedgwick County, or even if you are in a county that backs up to um you know has these similar issues where it's county backing up into a, a big metro area. I'd love to know your opinion on this or even if you are just a big 2A supporter, I'd love to hear kind of what what you think. But I'm glad I was able to take the time to kind of explain where I was coming from on that. So, um the other thing that my citizens advisory board recently um has decided. So, we've been discussing, we had a big a presentation from Public Works and um, we've just been discussing different intersections. We, we found out that of all the districts in Sedgwick County, we were the one that had like the most Uh, accidents uh, at intersections and that type of thing and so we were trying to pinpoint what are some problematic areas where we could ask for public works to study them and see if there was some way that we could be proactive about keeping um, keeping people safe keeping drivers safe and not having these accidents if there's known areas Um, and so so we've been we've been doing this for a couple of meetings now And uh, we were trying to come up with what what was going to be the next couple of intersections that we were going to submit. And um, my commissioner, Jim Howell, had mentioned that there used to be a program in Sedgwick County called Pave a Mile, where every year each county commissioner got to pave a mile of road in their district, no questions asked. Um, They didn't have to get approval or anything. It's just they they decided what road needed to be repaved or paved to begin with. And Public Works had to go along with it, basically. And so... Uh, you know, as we're sitting there discussing these intersections, again, Jim was telling us that there's no guarantee we can order traffic studies and we can pass along our findings to public works, but there's no guarantee that they're going to do anything about it. And so rather than waste our time submitting intersection by intersection, I had motioned that perhaps what we should do instead is to bring back this pay the mile program, because that's not only benefiting us, but benefiting all of the districts. There's obviously, we all know intersections that we know are problematic. We all know the intersection where or there's always a fender bender or always an accident on our daily drives we know about these right so in my mind this was a way that was going to help the entire county not just our district make a difference and so um so yeah so we did motion unanimously to um ask the county commissioners to reinstate this pave a mile program um, we actually are taking it a step further where instead of paving a mile of road we're asking for the uh, dollar amount that is equal to that so that they don't just have to pave a mile it could be a turn lane it could be a crossing walk it could be whatever so w- whatever we deem you know as long as we're within do- the dollar amount so we've asked for a large number of, um, of earmarked dollars from public works and we were asking that that go to each county commissioner split that dollar amount evenly so that they are able to decide what improvements need to be done on public works in their county so i feel like that's a great idea i I don't know if um, anybody who has a say in it, really we just need all of the county commissioners, all five of them to agree to this and then it passes. And then and then, then we can send all the intersections. And uh, another thing that we've we've done is we are asking with this program that the county commissioners work with their citizens advisory boards to come up with how to use this money. So um, I'm really hopeful. It seems like a, a really smart way to improve counties just a little bit at a time. It seems odd that they program was stopped in the first place so um, I encourage you to um, let me know what you think about that and if you're in agreement with that being a good program uh, definitely reach out to your county commissioner if you're in Sedgwick County find out who it is or if you don't know I can help you Um, if you're in the Derby area it probably is Jim Um, but yeah let me know or let your county commissioner know if you are in agreement with that uh, reinstating a version of that Pave a Mile program Um, if you have a program like that where you live I'd love to know how it works and what you think about it. If you don't have one, I'd love to talk to you about how to talk to your uh, county or city about maybe getting it reinstated. Um, we all know my views uh, politically skew libertarian. And so if you're going to tax us, <laughs> if you're going to have public works uh, department that's going to need needs to take funding from us, then I think this is a very small way that we can actually have a say in where that money is going to. So, um, So yeah, let me know what you think about that. Okay, so moving up to state politics. So I'm talking specifically about the state of Kansas where I live. Um, Some of you know if you follow me on social media. A couple weekends ago, um, I was asked to go kind of cover... Uh, this special hearing that they were doing at the state capitol they called a special hearing specifically to talk about government overreach when it and specifically when it comes to covid mandates and so um, they had hundreds of people not only submitting written testimony there was people giving spoken testimony there was a rally outside hundreds of people there so I was able to go and and take pictures and um, you know I work with the libertarian Party of Kansas doing their social media and so I went to go get Content to be able to share on those channels, and so it was really awesome. As as far as I understand, there has not been a hearing like that before where they're not voting on a bill or some kind of change at the end of it. It was just strictly for them to gather information, and I heard some very impassioned. from from some very impassioned people. And it was just comforting to know that, you know, they we might not have all been the same political party, but we were all coming at it from the same uh, viewpoint that this, this was an overstep, this was an overreach, and they've just gone too far. In this case, we're looking at people losing their jobs if they're not getting this vaccine, which is a private health decision. And so I, it was really cool to see everyone kind of coming together uh, for that. So what has happened since then is that there have been this committee, has uh, proposed two uh, bills, I believe. One of them is to make it to where if you do end up getting fired because you're not getting the vaccine or not proving the vaccine that you are going to be eligible for unemployment as it stands right now. You're not eligible for unemployment if you're terminated because of that. So I feel like that's a good change. Uh, and the other bill is to make it to where right now what I'm hearing from people is uh, they're they're asking for a medical exemption or religious exemption from this, which were totally excuses pre-COVID. They were legitimate Reasons that you could use to get out of vaccines before COVID, and they, they they were never an issue. I I know people that have used them for their kids in schools and all kinds of all kinds of things, not just as a an excuse. That's not the right term for it, but they were legitimate reasons that you could opt out of medical procedures. But now all of a sudden, in the world of COVID, I am hearing resort. I'm hearing reports of people that are either being told their religious or their medical exemptions are not good enough, are not strong enough. Or I have a friend who's a nurse who's been asking for a medical exemption form and has not been being given it. So of course she you know, had to go find one online, whether or not they actually take it, they don't have to, but that, that's all a big issue because the medical and religious exemptions existed pre-COVID and now all of a sudden they're being treated differently. So the the other bill that they're they're proposing is that employers basically have to take your medical and religious exemptions. So um, those are the bills that they propose. There are some within the Libertarian Party that think that that's not quite enough, um, which which I do understand. It, it is a much bigger issue. Um and so as it stands now, I believe there is a hearing this weekend. It might actually be go- going on today and tomorrow. Um, and what we're what we're looking for is everyone all as far as I understand all of the state senators have said that they are in agreement with calling a special session on this. And so now the ball is in Governor Kelly's court where we have to wait for her to call this session. She has no reason not to. It's unanimous at this point that they do want to call this into session and vote on these uh, bills. Um, so yeah, so hopefully, hopefully that happens, you guys, like I said, she's got no reason not to. Um, and I think even if even if we didn't get everything that we're asking for, I think these are two bills in the right direction, right? So keep your eye on that. Um, the other thing happening in state politics, um, I don't even have this on my, my talk sheet. But the other thing happening in state politics is both Derek Schmidt and Governor Kelly, within a few days of each other, announced that they would like to banish the tax on food, food tax, so grocery not prepared food but grocery foods and I think I think that's great but listen guys libertarian candidates have been running on that issue in Kansas governor candidates and statewide candidates they I mean they've been running on this issue for something like a decade every libertarian governor has asked for that every libertarian governor candidate has asked for that over the past decade so on the one hand yes we're excited we are not you know we don't love taxes Um, and I think it could really help some families I think it's a step in the right direction but my fear is that what's happening right now is that we're just posturing, we're just saying this is what we want to do, and we're trying to get those votes, we're trying to get re-elected, or we're trying to get elected to governor the first time, because both... Schmidt and Kelly are obviously running and so I don't know to me it seems a little bit like a promise that is being made to get your votes and I don't want to see people fall for it what I want to see is it actually happen. so I'm I'm excited at this prospect regardless of what party or what candidate pushes it I think it's it's good but it's one of those things that I will believe it when I see it right so y'all help me keep an eye on that as far as state of Kansas goes Okay. So moving on to just some things that I am following kind of on the national scale, I'm going to kind of jump around here, but one thing that I am following is the trial of Elizabeth Holmes. Um, which I am not sure if everybody knows who that is. She was a young kind of Silicon Valley uh, entrepreneur that had this company where instead of taking a vial of blood, you were supposed to just be able to take a pinprick of blood but be able to do all of the same tests. And there's a documentary on... There's a documentary on HBO about it. I'm blanking on the title of it, but I can put it in my show notes. There's a documentary on HBO about it. There's also a podcast called The Dropout where you can listen to the whole Theranos story, which is the name of her company. And then The Dropout is also posting weekly episodes now where they're actually covering the trial. And so what I think is interesting about this is they're trying to say, I mean, what what she's on the stand for, what she's being tried for is fraud. She basically could not, never had this technology, and she basically convinced some really big players, like heads of state, politician. I just heard Betsy DeVos, her estate gave like a ton of money to it, like, and so she, basically she's fraudulent, and she is basically being accused of taking this money from people for a product that she never had, right? So that's the criminal charge against her, but her defense is saying that she just basically was an entrepreneur that really was trying her best, and it just didn't work out, and how can we... How can we, you know, fault her for, you know, trying her best, giving it a go and, and trying to make this company happen? And so I don't know. I'm just, I'm curious what people think. Um, because I know on the one hand, it's like, okay, well, what do we care that a bunch of rich people put their money, their investments into this and it didn't work out. But on the other hand, it's like integrity, it's, it's just the integrity of the situation. And I think there's so many recordings and texts and emails of her where I think she knowingly defrauded people. This wasn't just fake it till you make it type of thing. Um, and there's a whole episode, a recent episode of the dropout where surprisingly they compared this to like, zuckerberg and all the hot water he was into with facebook now meta which that's a whole nother goofy thing but they were basically saying they have this expert on there who had been in silicon valley for a long time and he was basically saying that she needs to be made an example out of and that she uh, that basically will never rein in Silicon Valley, will never pop that bubble and take that power and that money away from all these tech billionaires, these tech geniuses, if if someone is not made an example out of. And I, I don't know, I thought that was a little harsh. I don't super agree with that. Um, I do agree that I think she defrauded these people and I do think she should be punished, but I don't know that it's a commentary on all of Silicon Valley needed to be put in check, but I, I have a feeling I'm the minority in that. So let me know what you guys think about that comparison there um ultimately my prediction on this um they have split elizabeth holmes and her kind of second in command this guy named sunny who was her boyfriend at the time but now isn't she's already like has another boyfriend and has a baby, which they're trying to kind of really play up that maternal side of her now. But uh, my prediction actually is that Elizabeth is going to walk or it's going to be a mistrial, but I don't think that she is going to do any time for this. I think they're really banking on pinning it all on Sonny. They're painting him as this like older, wiser man that kind of took advantage of her and she was his puppet. And I don't don't believe that, but I just have a feeling that's where this is going. So you guys are going to have to keep listening and we'll just have to see if that prediction <laughs> is right um the other thing i want to chat about okay so there's a documentary on hbo i do remember the name of this one it's called crime of the century and there is also a complementing series now on hulu called dope sick and basically what this is about is it's about the oxycotton um, kind of i don't know what you, you wouldn't call it a pandemic but just the outbreak that we've been seeing uh historically you know, the past 10, 20 years of just people being overprescribed and people getting hooked on this this drug. And it just basically, I mean... You just have to watch it because some of the stuff you wouldn't even believe. Um, the FDA basically was complicit in in getting doctors to believe that this was not a drug that you could get hooked on when it's so far from the truth. They knew better, and all along the way they were given examples and whistleblowers. You know they were given ample opportunity to change their their platform and they kind of doubled down. They were selling bigger and bigger doses of it. And it just, it speaks to so many of the issues that are important to me on the national scale, like the FDA. I think the FDA is the joke, and I don't think that they had any business. I mean, half the doctors will tell you that they only prescribed this because the FDA made a special label saying that it was not a drug you could get hooked on. And so the FDA had no business getting involved in that Um and then also just, of course, the overprescription of medications. And then I also have big issue with the fact that literally, and the, the, the documentary Crime of the Century does a good job kind of juxtapos- ju- ju- of the juxtaposition of this, where you have, I don't know, basically you have drug dealers. One just happens to go wear a suit and work at a pharmacy during the day, or maybe not a pharmacy, but a drug company, inventing new new medicines, and then the other one maybe you know sells drugs out of his garage. But yet one is being put in jail, and the other is getting bonuses on sales quotas. And it just it just doesn't seem right, you know. It just doesn't seem right that we are deciding, well, because you're Purdue Pharma, you're a pharmacy company, you know, you're not a criminal, but yet. There's a story in the documentary of a guy who was uh, growing and selling weed for his child to take who was deathly ill. And so he started it for growing it for his child. And then, of course, ended up eventually ended up selling it, I guess, which maybe he didn't have to, but he did. And he is like life in jail. So it's just like, how how do you justify that? How do you reconcile the fact that they are both trying to 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 produce and sell something to make lives better and I don't know I would argue that the guy you know manufacturing a drug in his garage for his child to feel better I would rather buy from him than someone who doesn't even know my name and will never know my name inventing something that's going to go in my body and I think that This plays so into where we're at on the national scene. It plays into where we're at with vaccines. It plays into where we're at with whether or not we trust the government and trust, you know, which side of science, which scientists, who are we believing? I just think that this backdrop, it's a really well-timed piece because you can't say that it doesn't affect where we're at now and I would say even the Theranos trial I think you know there's a whole part in the show where they talk about going after Purdue Pharma and the FDA for something called criminal marketing which is you're giving out marketing that is so off-base that it's actually dangerous to the people you're advertising to and so I don't know I think I think I mean you know, I talk about and think about marketing all the time. And so on the one hand, I'm like, these were really great marketing campaigns. Theranos made themselves look like, you know, the blood testing experts and Purdue Pharma made themselves look like the drug producing expert that doctors could trust. Um, And people bought it hook, line and sinker. Um, And so I mean, on the one hand, I think that it's a good example of the power of marketing. But on the other hand, it's just it's just not fair at the end of the day and um you know i think i was had a friend that would had watched the hulu show uh, called dope sick that's about this topic and she was like man it really is making me not trust the FDA or trust the government and I'm just like yeah that's that's kind of the point <laughs> so I would love to know I would love to have someone watch both of those I think they're doing a really good job bringing the documentary to life in the scripted series um and I still have a couple of episodes left on that so I'm excited to see where it goes and I'll have to double check but from what I understand there actually has been a legal case taken against Purdue Pharma um Uh, where they're not actually supposed to sell Oxy as, as much, or there's some kind of parameter around it. So I'll have to double check that. So I'm hoping it gets covered in the show what the actual results will be. Uh, Maybe it, this happened after they wrapped filming, but, um, but I think, I think any regulation, um, anything to kind of rein them in a little bit is okay. Like I said, I don't know that the whole industry needs to be punished for it. Um, But I think there was some bad actors that that knew better. And I think it's okay to make an example out of them. So, um, oh my gosh, that was a lot of stuff. We bounced around a lot, but those are just some topics that I'm talking about and I'm thinking about right now. So again, it's all my opinion Not an expert by any means. I would love to hear your opinions. Uh, And as I said at the beginning of the show, I just recently moved my uh, blog over from WordPress to Squarespace. And so now all of my blogs, podcasts, my products, my downloads, everything is available in one place now. And it's so convenient. It's so much easier for me to manage on the back end. So please go check out themamamarketer.com. If you uh, haven't yet, please give me a subscribe there. All you'll get is an email once a month and I'll be letting you know of uh, any blogs or podcasts that I've put out in that month's time. So it's not even like a weekly or a daily thing. I'm not going to spam you. Uh, you're just committing to one email a month. So uh, go check that out for me, subscribe. And then if you want to chat a little bit more um, about any of these topics, I'd love to hear from you. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the Mama Marketer. All right, talk to you later. Bye.